I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week I get to chat with another tennis parent, which is always fun for me. I take a little break from talking to the coaches and talking about the tournaments and and all the technical side of things and coming back to what got Parenting Aces started in the first place, which is all of us learning how to do a better job as tennis parents. So my guest this week is Craig Pettigrove. Craig hails from Melbourne, Australia. He now lives in the U.S., in New Hampshire to be exact. And he came to the States after growing up in Melbourne to play college tennis. He started out in Tennessee, transferred to Oklahoma, And as I said, now is living in New Hampshire, where he is raising his two sons, one of whom plays tennis and one of whom does not. And Oliver has Oliver is the son that plays tennis and he is very committed to the sport, uh, training daily, working really hard to play tournaments and get his ranking up and all of that. And Craig, because of his past experience playing and coaching, really has been his son's primary coach, but gets input from other coaches along the way, including one of my favorites, Todd Whittem. And Todd is actually the one who connected Craig and me. So thank you, Todd, if you're listening. Before I bring Craig on, just a reminder, if you haven't already, I hope you'll become a premium member of Parenting Aces. You can do that by going to parentingaces.com and clicking on the join button. And if you haven't had a chance to shop in our new online store for our new merch, I hope you'll check that out as well. Now, let me bring Craig on and you're going to hear from a tennis parent who has done it all himself. Craig Pettigrove, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks, Lisa. I'm glad to be on Pairing Aces and to share uh, yeah, my journey and, and my son's tennis and um, just uh, excited. Awesome. So I mentioned that you grew up in Melbourne and grew up playing tennis yourself and then came to the States to play in college. Can you talk a little bit about how you got started playing tennis? Was it something that your family was doing or is it something you kind of stumbled on on your own? Yeah, my uh, my whole family played. My parents played. I had two older brothers that played tennis, so I just tagged along to the local club and ended up uh, playing, getting started that way. Um, and then, um, yeah, obviously it, it progressed into uh, playing more competitively um, at, at the club um, and also tournaments, uh, kind of lessons, the whole, the whole thing uh, progressed. How did you figure out that coming to the U.S. to play tennis in college was the right move for you? Uh, I think in Australia it's set up a little differently where your choices are limited to either focus on study solely and go to Mm -hmm. university. 
we don't have kind of sports built in like it is in the States. Um, or you're, you're obviously good enough where you could potentially go pro. Um, so I was kind of caught in limbo between the two and had some friends that had come over here to play college tennis. And that sounded appealing to me. Um, not so appealing to my mother. Uh, <laughs> she supported my decision uh, and started looking around for schools and uh, ended up getting a, a scholarship to um, a small school in Tennessee, Tennessee Martin, and came over when I was 19. And so you ended up transferring. Um, what what happened that caused you to make that change? Yeah, I think it was just an opportunity to play at a bigger school. Um, I had a, a good friend from Australia that was playing at Oklahoma, and he said, listen, I think there's an opportunity uh, for you to, to come to Oklahoma if you're interested. We have uh, we have a spot available. Um, and I, yeah, I thought a lot about it. Wasn't, I wasn't unhappy playing at Tennessee Martin. I just felt like there was an opportunity to play at a bigger school um, with my good friend from Australia and just decided to make that decision. And uh, yeah, I think it was a good one. Mm -hmm. And did you feel like there was a vast difference between playing at the smaller school in Tennessee versus playing at the larger school at University of Oklahoma? Uh, I did. I think the school, the size of the school was a lot different. Oklahoma is a bigger, much bigger yeah. university with, with huge sport. Um, so the um, the the budget, the travel, um, how you travel, uh, the training, the I think the um, tennis ramped up a level uh, too uh, with sure. the Big Twelve, Big 12 conference um, being one of the stronger conferences. So there was definitely some some changes to to uh, to get used to. Yeah, and then after school. You've stayed with tennis all these years. You've been a coach. You've worked in the private setting. Now you're a dad and you have one son who's very into his tennis and another son who's gone down a different path. Um, how are you using your experiences growing up in the sport to really help both of your sons? Yeah, so I mean how I grew up with tennis in Australia is a little different than how it's structured over here. Uh, mm -hmm. In Australia, you know, our clubs were very inexpensive. Uh, there was a big saturation of players that you could go to the club with and play with, uh, you know, on a daily basis. Um, the weekends you would just go to the club and you could play junior and, and adult competition kind of all weekend long. So it was kind of you were part of a team uh, that you played for on the weekend. Um, and then you would obviously have some tournaments sprinkled in around that. Um, so over here in the States, it's obviously fairly tournament based on the weekends. Uh, so there's a lot of tournaments. Seems like the structure is a little more isolated uh, where it's not, you're not really part of a team. So you have to kind of do more of the, more of the, the training and that on your own. Um, so that's, that's an adjustment. Obviously my other son Cooper, um, he plays uh, basketball. So we have to navigate uh, being able to, to get him to his sport and, and put enough time into his sport as well. Cause obviously um, Oliver's 13 and his commitment to the sport has really ramped up um, requiring, you know, more travel, more time from me to put him with him. And so that's, 
that has its uh, has its challenges. Sure, sure. I always think it's interesting to talk to families who have kids in multiple sports. You know, it's it's one thing if you have siblings that are all playing tennis. I mean, that presents a unique set of challenges as well. But when you have siblings who are going down different pathways, which was what was the case in my house um, with my three kids, it it's really tough. And and having to balance that, and you know, one parent becomes a tennis parent, and one parent becomes you know, the other sport parent or the other activity parent. And I think it's it's really tough to find that balance and make sure that you're honing your relationship with all of your children, not just the one who's going down the pathway that interests you the most, right? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big commitment and it, and it changes. Uh, it, it almost seems like a second job in a way. It, it, it's definitely challenging because there's, transporting to training there's there's coaching there's tournaments there's you know so that's and if you've got a kid that is very uh into it and he wants he has some lofty goals he, he wants to put in a lot of time and mm-hmm. you know that becomes hard because you've got a full school day and i've got a full work day and my wife does too and my son has to get taken to different sports um so you know there's definitely challenges around all of that yeah. How is your family managing all of that? Do you and your wife swap off who who's the tennis parent, who's the basketball parent or how does that work? Yeah, we, we basically share duties. Um, obviously, I work with Oliver mostly on the tennis side, uh, but, but she'll chip in with taking him to a tournament or taking him to a practice that I'm not involved in, uh, which is good. And I'll I'll do the same with my my youngest, Cooper, as well, try and get him to to his basketball and just try and share the share the workload but just juggling schedules and everything is is is, um can get difficult at times do you when y'all go to tournaments does cooper come too? like do you make it a family affair so the boys are supporting one another in their sports or is it just that it's there's too much conflict with scheduling and all of that yeah we don't generally make it a family thing on the tennis side um like cooper's not crazy about going to watch Oliver play tennis <laughs> so we don't we don't really we don't really force the issue so we do a little divide and conquer instead of doing kind of the family thing um, right yeah yeah I think that's probably the most common answer to that question um, it's it's tough and you know the younger sibling hates being dragged to the older sibling stuff and the older sibling hates being dragged to the younger sibling stuff and yeah, finding that middle ground where everybody's getting their needs met uh, sometimes is a, a really big challenge. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about what's been happening in the last year. Um, COVID has been upon us. You live in a part of the country where outdoor tennis isn't available year round because New Hampshire gets cold and wintry and yucky weather where you're forced indoors, which drives the cost up of the sport as well. How has your family used this last year to help Oliver continue on his upward trajectory with his training? Yes, I think in terms of COVID, I think um, the training hasn't been hampered as much as the the tournament play. So we, we were able to get some pretty good access to train during our outdoor season, which was kind of spring, summer, and fall last year, maybe even a little bit more than usual. Uh, just my work schedule changed a bunch. Um, 
so that was good and then i think um moving into the winter season uh we have been able to find indoor court time and an indoor club to to train at um i think the tournament tournaments have been a little off for a while now in terms of where we can travel to and play there's different restrictions in different states uh that you can go to a big hub for us is massachusetts and we haven't really been able to do a lot of tournaments there lately they're requiring neg negative COVID tests to go down there um yeah which has been a little difficult uh because there's not a lot of uh, volume of tournaments uh where we are in new hampshire and um and also maine most of it's massachusetts connecticut area uh so the, the tournaments have been a little hard but the training has been good but you really need to um test yourself in in the tournaments um but overall i, I can't really complain it, it has a, it has been fairly good for us that's good. And so in February, y'all made the decision to go down to Florida and train with Todd Whittem for, I think, a week, you said. Yep. Can you tell us about that experience? What what was kind of the deciding factor to head down to Florida? Um, how did you get to Todd and, and talk about the time there? Sure. So we spent a week down at uh, Todd Whittem's tennis school in Coral Springs, Florida. Um, I'd been looking for a while to mainly looking in Florida for a place that we could maybe go down and do some training with Oliver at um, on a kind of sporadic basis. Uh, I started listening to a lot of podcasts, yours being one of them, um, and uh, have listened to a lot of the podcasts with Todd uh, being on here and really was impressed with, uh, you know, everything that he, he was saying and also listened to some parents that had sent kids down to his tennis school uh, followed him on uh, social media and just uh, liked what I heard and kind of made the plunge to to contact Todd and and uh, you know ask him if he'd be interested in having Oliver come down and train for for the week um, and uh, which we did we went down in uh, late February and uh, it was fantastic Oliver had a great time and it was a really productive week for him um, tennis wise uh, it was it was fantastic. Did you go with him or did you just send him down alone? Yeah, I went with him. Yeah, I went with uh, my other son, Cooper, and uh, yeah, went with him for the week. Um, and we spent eight days down there. Um, and it was uh, it was excellent. It was it was really good for all of his tennis, but it was also a very good learning experience for me as well to be in that environment. The majority, or if not all of my teaching experience in, on a coaching level has been at a country club level. Um, so that's a different type of teaching than what you're going to get at a, a high level junior facility like Todd. So when I was there, I was hanging around a bit because I was, I was picking up some, I was picking up a lot of good things. Just uh, my ears were open hearing, mm -hmm. uh, all, just the dialogue and, uh, you know, the way they train the kids in their kind of no nonsense, uh, like, uh, environment that they're, that they're in. And, uh, it was it was great for for me as well, and will help me and Oliver um, moving forward in our training up here uh, from going down and having that experience for the week. Can you share with us what a day a typical day looked like during that time you were with Todd? Sure. Yeah. So um, a typical day would be um, arrive at the facility around nine, um, go through uh, a, a warm up 
whether a warm up is with uh, some stretching, some band work, uh, some some running, some jogging, um, and then uh, sometimes you might get right into a fitness a fitness session uh, after that, depending on uh, weather and schedule. Um, and then you'd, you'd move through uh, the, the morning session, which would be uh, predominantly uh, drill-based. So the drills uh, could be anything from live ball hitting to feeding um, to working on uh, certain uh, shot sequences, um, and that could last uh, a couple of hours um, moving into the, the lunchtime period where you get a, a small break. And then the afternoon session would be more match play-based, uh, where the kids are playing points, the kids are playing matches, they've got certain goals they're trying to uh, work on in their in their match play and certain strategies they're trying to implement. Um, and come around three o'clock, three thirty, they would wrap up their day uh, via some some stretching and some cool down. And within that day, any hour um, would be uh, fitness. Bruce would be taking them through fitness. Uh, all sorts of footwork drills, uh, conditioning, speed, balance. Um, and he did a great job, very specific to tennis, uh, hard, hard work. Uh, these kids are working hard down there. Uh, and, and obviously he did, a, he did a great job as well. And so what was Oliver's takeaway from that week? What, when y'all got back to New Hampshire, you know, did he come back to the practice court motivated to change some things, to implement some new tactics in, in his training that he had learned down there? Um, was he exhausted? <laughs> How did he do? Yeah, I mean, he came back rare in the go. He loved it down there. He's like, when, when are we going back? Yeah, he loved it. He loved it. The kids are really great down there. They got a good kind of environment to be in. He, he loved it there. The training was hard, but he, he, he likes hard training. He's not afraid of that. Uh, so, you know, when we came back, obviously, uh, you know, he, he kind of showed an even more um, wanting to practice uh, harder and longer and maybe a little bit of envy of the kids that get to train uh, for longer, more hours in the beautiful sunshine. Um, so there definitely was uh, an added emphasis when we when we got back. But the experience was uh, was was awesome. So glad that we did it. So I, I neglected to ask you this, and I, I think our listeners would be interested. What are Oliver's goals for his tennis? You said he's got some lofty goals, but I didn't yeah. ask you what they are. Yeah, that's fine. So Oliver wants to play uh, Division One college tennis. Um, you know, he he's had that as a goal uh, from the beginning of his, his tennis. Um, he's a late starter in terms of tournament play. I think he played almost his first real tournament when he was 11, so he kind of skipped the whole red ball, orange ball, just it just didn't work out. Um, but I think once he got his first taste of uh, tournament tennis, he's uh, been training hard ever since and playing um, playing a lot of tennis after that. So, um, yeah, we're trying to support his goals and give him as much opportunity as we can uh, to, to progress in tennis. I, I see it as a great sport uh, for him and any other junior player out there that wants to to um, try and achieve uh, goals in, in a sport like tennis. Right. What have y'all been doing tournament wise? You mentioned that you haven't had a lot of opportunity with COVID, but things seem to be starting to opening open back up. Um, 
we're recording this. I'm, I'm, you know, next week I'm going to be going to the ITF tournament down in San Diego and the, the following week is the Easter bowl, which I'll be at as well. So um, we are recording this mid March. Um, what are y'all's plans with tournaments? Uh, what are you seeing with the new tournament structure and the ranking structure and being able to gain entry into the, the events that are back on the calendar? Yeah. So the start, yeah, the startup for us is there's been a lot of changes um, with different structures. Uh, I know they're trying to increase uh, the amount of matches you get in certain tournaments for some kids. You know, what I'm finding is the the um, the kids that are on the on the bubble uh, in some of the tournaments, um, you know, find it hard because they need volume of matches. It's more important for them to get volume of matches than kind of like who they're playing, if mm. that makes sense. Whereas the kids sure. are already, the kids that are at that high level already, they get the volume of matches. You know, they're they're going to do well in those tournaments. So. Yeah, USTA is trying to create more matches for the kids that are uh, trying to break through. Um, whereas kind of that UTR format is more related to you will play kids at your level and you will get those guaranteed matches. So, um, you know, I think that the structure is uh, is, is changing. Uh, I think in terms of uh, COVID, the, the, uh, the tournaments are starting to kind of get back into full swing as long as you don't have any restrictions on on where you're where you're going as we still do uh, uh, a little bit right it's it's interesting to hear you kind of talk about it from the perspective of still you know you're limited in where you can go does that kind of drive your decision about just if there's a tournament and Oliver can get in he's going to play because he just needs the match play or are you being a little more selective about the opportunities that you take advantage of? Uh, we do a little bit of both. Uh, I think it's good to do both. So I think it's good to get tournaments where they're going to get guaranteed matches. Mm -hmm. And I think you want to have tournaments where you can really kind of gauge where they are in terms of their peers, where they have opportunities if they play well, they could win matches and, and, and go through the latter starts, uh, parts of the draw. So I think that's a, that's a good uh, kind of um, way for, for parents to gauge that a little bit where it's, it's, you know, it's good to see where your kid's at and, and if he's winning you know, a certain match or how he's doing a certain tournament, but they also need volume of matches and ultimately the kids' improvement will really dictate on on you know whether they're going to be winning, starting to win certain matches or not. If they keep focusing on training hard and, and trying to improve their tennis, the results will come. The results will come if, if they're made to come. Mm -hmm. What kind of off court stuff is Oliver doing? Like you know, is he doing fitness training, footwork drills, working with a sports psych, uh, recovery stuff? Any of that incorporated into his regimen yet? Yeah, so we, we work on uh, we work on some foot footwork. We've, we've carried some of the drills uh, from Florida back up here in terms of working on some footwork drills through uh, cones around cones. Um, we do some on court, um, a little bit on court footwork, on court fitness. Uh, Oliver will also work on a track session. 
he'll uh he'll go to the track and work on um, some running and sprinting on the track doing some jump rope um he's all he he does uh does some weight work uh some light weight work for for strength and he's also um done doing some band work uh as well uh so the florida trip definitely it kind of made him think more about the uh the advantages that you can get uh through uh working on on fitness and footwork um and i'll i'll go back to to todd's place i mean it's just the, the the amount of movement the kids are doing and and the fitness that they require and the footwork they require their their emphasis on movement so every drill they're doing they're moving back around the cone and getting in position for the next shot and moving back around the cone and and they're doing that constantly so the kids are, are gaining a lot of fitness and a lot of understanding of movement and how to move and how to position yourself on a court. Um, so, you know, that incorporated Oliver's willingness to do more, more fitness as well. Yeah. And I'm, you know, Oliver at age 13, you're now getting to that stage with his junior tennis where the margins are getting slimmer and slimmer among the players, right? The players at the top to the players at the bottom, everybody's starting to have really nice strokes. Everybody's starting to really hone their footwork skills. Um, the fitness becomes really important. And I always, I remember, you know, when my son was playing that it was always interesting to go to a tournament where there were kids coming from the Northeast in the middle of winter, they had been used to playing indoors and protected environment. And then they were coming to the South where it was hot and humid and, you know, they just really had a hard time adjusting to that. Um, so starting to train those different areas, not just the forehands, backhands, serves, uh, becomes more and more important as they get older and those margins slim down. I think it's really cool that Oliver's kind of picked up on that and that he had exposure to that young enough to where he can start to incorporate that into his own training. And for you too, I'm sure, you know, tennis is different now than when you were a kid playing, certainly different than when I was a kid playing. And it's probably helpful to go to a place like Todd's Academy and see these high level kids. What, what are they doing? What sets them apart? Why are they winning so much more? You know, why are they having opportunities that maybe some of the other kids aren't having? And um, I think it's always good to kind of have that reality check. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I picked up so many great things from going down and spending the week at Todd's, um, you know, just the way they, they train the kids, um, you know, Pierre, Bruce, Todd, they do a fantastic job. Yeah, they're old school. Yeah, they're very, uh, they're demanding. For sure. You know, they're demanding in a good way, though, like in yeah. a fair way. They just want effort and accountability. Um, they do a lot of work on target work. So you're hitting in a specific parts of the court, small areas of the court you have to hit into, uh, which is what you've got to do in tennis. You've got to hit your spots and you've got to do that while you're moving and while you're under pressure constantly. So they have a small portion of drills too. They don't do like a million drills. There are a few drills that you do, a lot of uh, repetition, a lot of accountability for for hitting the ball in certain spots, and a lot of a lot of effort. And they give great tips. 
They're also uh, very structured. Uh, if your kid comes down there for a week or he comes down there for a month or, or four months, you know, they, they kind of tailor that to the, to the child. They, they can't, they can't pull a rabbit out of a hat for a one week training session, uh, but right. they, that doesn't deter them. They're like, okay, we can still get you to improve and work hard while you're here and give you good framework moving back. You know, I made sure that last day I sat down with, with Pierre and Todd and said, look, we're in the, we're in the indoor facility for, you know, six, seven months or whatever it is, you know, what should I be training? What, sh how should we be training? What should we be focusing on? Um, and, and they gave some, some really good um, suggestions on that. And while all of it was there, they were following that path of, you know, how is he going to be training, you know, how tall is he going to get? How does he play now? What should he be working on? Where's his game? You know, what does he need to be working on? So they give you a good overall analysis of your child and where they are and what they could be working on moving forward to uh, to get the best out of your kid in their junior tennis. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think Todd does really well, Todd and Pierre together, is that assessment of the player, right? Where are you today? What are your goals? What do we need to do to help you get there? I mean, that happens on day one. And I, you know, I've heard this from other parents who have taken their kids there, and I've heard it from Todd himself, that that assessment piece is key because until they can know exactly where a kid is on that first day of training, you know, how do you develop a roadmap if you don't, don't know where your starting point is? Yeah, the assessment's brutal. Ninety minutes of hard work. Um, there's all sorts of drills you've got to do, hitting into small areas of the court while you're moving around a cone, dealing with the blister, dealing with the sun, dealing with the wind. Uh, you know, you've you've got to be tough because uh, you know they're going to push you, and you know that gives them a really good understanding of where your kid is at. And you know, during that assessment, they're giving uh, some great tips as well. Yeah, they're giving suggestions on, uh, you know, movement or technique or uh, different things like that. And, um, you know, uh, it's a really good thing they, they implement there. And uh, that was a, a, a good one for Oliver to start with and uh, a wake-up call that, that uh, he's got to keep working hard um, under the elements as well. Well, and as hard as day one is, day two is even worse because you're coming back with the blisters and the sore muscles and the fatigue and you know what's ahead of you, right? You know what you're in store for. And when you're only coming for a week, you don't want to waste any of that time, right? So the kids are learning to fight through some of the discomfort, which, you know, you have to balance it. You obviously don't want them to get injured, but at the same time, they have to learn to develop that sense of, okay, I may be in some pain here, but this isn't pain that's going to cause a debilitating injury. So I just need to kind of suck it up and keep pushing and I'm going to get a break and I'm going to do the things that I need to do to help my body recover. And then I'm going to get back to it. Yeah. I try to prep Oliver. I, I had a hunch how it would be, how it would look. <laughs> uh, so I try to prep him on the, yeah, it's going to be physically very hard. Uh, and they'll they'll be tough on you. They'll they'll expect a lot. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you give a great effort and have a good attitude, you'll get a lot out of the week, and it'll be good. And you know, you'll be tired. So like every part of the week may not be exactly where you're playing great tennis. So just uh, you know, do your best, suck it up, 
and your legs all come back um, as the week as the week goes along. And you know, make sure you've got open ears to what they're saying. Um, because I didn't give Todd any, almost any information. Um, you know, I, I can't, well, I did give him an email, but besides that, I, I just let him and Pierre and Bruce kind of like work with Oliver. And, uh, so as, as the, he's playing and they're giving suggestions, my ears are open too. Cause I'm like, okay, how would I see that particular situation or that particular shot from Oliver? And how would I go about instructing him to, uh, you know, improve that. And, you know, Pierre one time, basically he just stopped and asked Oliver, you know, what's going on? You've started missing those shots now. What are you doing wrong? You know, didn't give him the answer and, you know, wanted to, to get that from him. Um, little things like that, how they make the player think and be accountable for, for what they're doing on the court um, is, is important. And, uh, also, the emphasis on uh, you know shot sequencing and where are you hitting your your particular yeah. shot? You know you you can't just hit it anywhere. You know, there has to be a plan. Where's the weakness? You know you've got to be two shots ahead so that you're hitting the ball into the areas that you need to be hitting it in. And that was a good that was a good lesson as as well uh, to hear that that they're really they they're teaching these kids to play at that high level even if they can't execute everything, there's still the framework is there on, okay, this is what we're looking for you to do. You will get better at this. At least you have a path of where your, where your shots are going. Right. Right. And I, I do, I've heard that from Todd and from Pierre when I've had them on the podcast is, you know, we're not training a 12 year old to win the 12s. We're training a 12 year old to be winning in the 18s when it really is important. And, you know, for the kids that are looking to play in college when they're under the microscope from the college coaches, or if they're looking to turn pro, you know, that they're preparing players for those later years, winning in the 12s and 14s. I mean, they want them to win sometimes because they need to build confidence that way, but they're not building games for the 12s and 14s. Yeah, it's three coaches, you know, 10 to 12 to 15 kids. So the ratio is really good. The kids are serious. They're competitive tournament players. Uh, obviously, parents have made a commitment to, to send their child down there. So they're kind of for real. Um, you know, I think these coaches have worked with elite level players for forever and a day. You know, Todd's yeah. gone through it with Pierre. Uh, Pierre's developed a ton of great players from, you know, college to pros. Uh, and and their eyes are amazing at what they pick up. They they can pick things up so quickly, and you know having your child um, work with them and assessed by them uh, is fantastic because not all coaches have that that eye where they can um, send your 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 child on the right path with with their tennis and what they need to be working on and what they are struggling with. They just they have that ability because they've been around those high level kids and seen that training and they know what works. They, and they don't, they don't budge. They don't, they don't budge. They don't, they don't give you an inch. That ball missed the target by an inch. Okay. You're doing it again. You hit, yeah. you're supposed to hit 20 overheads in a row. You hit 19, start again. Like there's no, absolutely no, no budging there. And I love that. Like I love that part of it that they're, they're really tough and they're, you know, they know what works and they're, they stay committed to, to how they're going to do it. You know, we've talked about what Oliver took away from his week there and, and how he's kind of adapted his own training. 
what did you take away for you as coach? We won't talk about the dad side yet, but as a tennis coach, what did you learn and what have you brought back to your coaching? So I, I, yeah, I picked their brains all week. Uh, I spent some extra time there and made sure they were comfortable with that. I was mainly just trying to pick up on things that they were working on and listen to them um, because, uh, you know, I have a lot to learn as well uh, as a coach and, and also how I work with, with Oliver uh, as well. A, a parent-child relationship, parent-coach relationship, uh, child-coach relationship is definitely uh, – challenging very very challenging yes. it seems the other parents are like oh you're so lucky i'm like uh, no it's harder than it's harder than what it looks like um so yeah the training uh we definitely have made some adjustments on the training on the indoor uh portion of it um they were they were big on uh you know developing the skills indoors uh, whether that's volleying uh, transition game uh, serve and volleying, stuff that can help you on quicker surfaces um, so that you can play on that surface better. And then when you come to playing outside, the focus is a bit more on uh, further back core position, um, more ground stroke orientated game plan. You won't have to spend as much time in that volley or court area because you've done that uh, most of the winter. So more specific training according to the conditions uh, you're in and also specific training to your child too. How does your child uh, like to play? What's their personality? What's their, what's their body size? And what are their skills like at a certain age? What do they, what do they struggle with? Um, yeah, so they were big on giving me tips uh, regarding training Oliver uh, more, uh, more successfully. I love that. I love that. So what's on the calendar for the next few months? Are you going back down to Florida? Um, does Oliver have some tournaments to play? What's happening? Yeah, we haven't made any plans for Florida in the next few months, but um, I think we've, we've got some plans uh, later in the year, uh, beginning of next year, to try and spend some more time down there at Todd's, uh, Todd's Tennis School. Um, we'll have a, a full bevy of tournaments coming up as long as the um, governor of Massachusetts is willing to, to uh, kind of bend the rules a little bit on uh, the COVID uh, testing. You know, there's ways around it. We can travel for tournaments up in Maine, some UTRs in Maine. Uh, we'll have some tournaments that we can go to in Connecticut and Rhode Island. So we're driving a little further uh, and then we can – Spring, I uh, know the COVID testing, whether we can get that um, again, it's just it's a little tricky to get multiple COVID tests for a sporting reason. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there might be might be possibilities to that. We, we have creative ways, setting up more match play that may not be tournament-based, but still good match play with, uh, with these peers as well. Um, so we'll, we'll do the best we can in the, the situation uh, as it is. At what point do you get to move back outdoors? When does the weather get warm enough and clear enough? Yeah, so our weather's brutal up here. When, when we went down to see Todd, uh, we had uh, like two feet of snow on the ground. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's cold. From basically November uh, all the way through kind of maybe half of April, you're, you're pretty much indoors. 
you know, in maybe some, you'll get half of April where you can go outside. You know, it's like probably, you know, 50, 55 degrees. You could go outside there and, you know, don't get me wrong, between mid-April and, and like October, mid-October, we have like fantastic weather here. Yeah. It, it really re very rarely gets above kind of the, the mid 80, 80 degree mark. Um, and just, we have a lot of really, really good weather. We just have uh, many months of, uh, of cold weather as well. So, yeah. Do you find it challenging to find matches for Oliver? Are there enough players? I won't even say kids because certainly he's at an age where he can be playing against adults and college players and all of that too. But are you finding that there are enough players around for him to get a diversity of match play? Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a part of uh, 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 where we where we live is not a huge cluster of um, players for all of the practice with. So right. you're either driving an hour plus for training with other kids, uh, or you're trying to be creative around here with with him playing with an adult. Um, or playing with an, another clinic um, that may be not optimal, but you have restrictions on uh, how how much you can travel for his training with work schedules and, and financial uh, sure. situations. But we have joined a, a, a tennis club uh, indoors, a two-court two, two facility, um, which is 24-7, um, so uh, that's been a really great thing that we've had the last few months to try and get more court time. Um, it's just important to get a lot of variety. It's not healthy for Oliver to work with me uh, too much, I think, and he needs training with other kids. He needs training with adults. Uh, he needs match play. He needs tournaments. He needs just different things to try and uh, advance his game uh, to, a, to a higher level and keep it keep it interesting as well. It's it's keeping some variety in there, which is important because it has to be fun for him to continue in the sport. It's There has to be a fun element to it as well. Sure. Tennis is, uh, it's hard work. It's hard work to to get to a high level. Uh, it, it's difficult. It's a difficult sport. It takes a lot of time, a lot of commitment. Um, and, you know, it's, it's all about whether he's, looking to, to make that, that commitment. And he is at the moment, and we'll see where that translates to. Yeah. What has been your biggest challenge being dad and coach? Uh, the biggest challenge is that you would not really face a lot of resistance if you were just coach to a, to a player that wasn't your son. I think you would implement drills, uh, sessions, training sessions that you would do. And if you had the right student, they'd, they'd be um, agreeing with what you're doing and not really asking why. Um, and then, <laughs> well, it depends, on the, it depends on the kid maybe. Yeah. Um, but there's also uh, how, you, how I communicate with Oliver in a training session. I go from periods of, just not not saying what I want to say, and then sometimes I'll say what I want to say. I just have to be careful the the tone I have, and maybe being too hard on him, being his parent as well as his coach, uh, and making sure I'm still you know aware he's 13 and is relatively inexperienced in tennis. 
so he will make mistakes and he is learning and he is trying um so that is that is a challenge um knowing when to work on technical aspects um and not to mix up technical aspects with quantity work as well just being smart on on training and um i do have a good advantage of being able to go and watch him at tournaments uh, where I can really see um, some areas that he needs a little more work on. So our training can be uh, very productive and specific to that part. But it's hard, it's hard to, to coach your own, your own child, definitely. Do, how do you kind of switch hats between the dad hat and the coach hat? Yeah, so the dad hat wants to go over every match and every training session and every four and and uh sorry the, the coach hat wants to do all that but the dad hat shouldn't do all that right the dad hat needs to give the tennis a rest and wait for him to come to me and want to know about this match or, or this point or why am i doing that so we have to kind of try and leave the tennis um outside of the house more often than we do, but he's 13 and very into his tennis and, you know, watches tennis all the time and is always asking questions and, you know, so that balance is, is, is difficult at times between uh, the tennis and the sessions and, and home and off the court, trying to keep him uh, a normal, normal kid. Well, it sounds like you're very tuned in to what Oliver wants and Oliver needs and you know, you, you're doing a pretty good job balancing when to be dad and when to be coach. And it sounds like he, he wants coach a lot of the time. He wants that information. He's hungry for it. So that makes your job a little bit easier, I would think. Yeah. And he works really hard. He's a hard, he's a hard worker. He puts in a lot of work um, on his tennis uh, and listens most of the time. Uh, Maybe a tad impatient with certain things that he's trying to get, in his game, um, and I could be a little impatient at times as well. Um, you know, on, on what's realistic for him, where he's at, and what he's what he's working on, because it, it's a process. It takes it takes a while to um, make improvements in a sport like tennis um, as as well. So it is a juggling act. I have learned a lot from listening to your podcasts and other podcasts uh, that that uh, is very um, helpful with uh, other players and other parents' journeys. Um, and you're always learning uh, on, on that as well, how to keep the parent-child relationship somewhat separate from, from a coach-child relationship right. as well. And, you know, we just, we're doing the best we can. We have limitations on, um, you know, how much we can play because of indoor court time, because of, uh, you know, our jobs, because of financial, because we have another child, the whole thing is, you know, if I could hand him off to uh, another coach more often that I trusted, um, if that was realistic from a lot of those perspectives, I'd I'd do it in the heartbeat. I think that would probably be a better scenario and that might be still on the table sometime in the future, but I think you do what what you do. Every situation is different. Sure. If the parent of a four, five, six-year-old came to you and said, you know, I want to put my kid in tennis. I have a background in tennis, so I'm going to coach my kid. 
what advice do you have for me? What would you say? Yeah, I would, I would say, uh, so you're talking four or five year old. Yeah. Kid uh, just getting started. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So Oliver uh, did tennis only in the summers for the first few years and only like once a week, maybe twice a week, just, just very, very um, social and it didn't really put in much time. And I needed a bit of a kick up the behind to, to get him started. I, I might've been a little late with that, but I finally gave him a little more opportunity and then he just, he gravitated and went to it. So getting back to the, the parent, I would, I would keep it really fun at that age. And, um, you know, I would try and not get carried away uh, with making it too serious at that early age um, because I think that you you want to create a fun environment for a child getting started in tennis and then as they progress and maybe get more interested you can implement a little bit more uh, coaching and a little bit more structure with maybe some more uh, clinics and, and different things like that but your hope your, really your goal at that age is fun and, and hopefully they start liking tennis and you're giving them an opportunity to play a little bit of tennis. And, um, you know, that's my, my advice at a different age, there may be different advice, but the early years, that would be it. I love it. Well, Craig Pettigrew, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your experience in the sport, your experience with Oliver and your experience down at Todd Whittam's Academy in Florida. And um, it's it's been lovely to chat with you. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, great to meet you. And thanks for having me on. And I'm glad I could share a little bit of a uh, little bit of tennis uh, and, and our experience with, with the listeners and um you know, thanks for all the great work you're doing as well. I listened to all your podcasts and have really picked up on a lot of helpful things in all sorts of different areas of, of tennis. So thanks. Thank, thanks for the work you do. Thank you for saying that. To my listeners and viewers, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, buy a tennis if you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.